Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Hebrews. Today is episode 911, and we're looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 to 24. Let's read our passage. For you have not come to what could be touched, to a blazing fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to the blast of a trumpet, and the sound of words, Those who heard it begged that not another word be spoken to them, for they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The appearance was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Instead, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven, to a judge who is God of all, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which says better things than the blood of Abel. This is the book of Hebrews. This is a letter or a written sermon to a group of Jewish Christians. They're starting to experience persecution as Christians, and the temptation is for them to fall away from Christianity, fall back into Judaism. The author of Hebrews is arguing that Christ is superior to anything that they could hope to be falling back into in Judaism. There is a new covenant, and Christ is the new high priest of that covenant. The challenge is to live by faith. He gave examples of the heroes of the faith, those who actually did live by faith. And he said, okay, you're experiencing persecution. Understand these persecutions as Things that are like discipline. They're from God. God allows them, but they're for your own good to shape and mold you for the future. And you need to have your spiritual value system right. Don't be like Esau who sold his birthright for a meal. Don't think in the near term. Think in eternal terms and make sure your spiritual value system is correct. Now we're in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 18. So in light of all these things, he's given a perspective with an Old Testament reference to what they're dealing with now. He says, for you have not come to what could be touched, to a blazing fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to the blast of trumpet, and the sound of words. This is the description of what went on at Mount Sinai. When Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, to receive the law from God, it was like the mountain was on fire, the mountain was smoking, there was incredible sounds and earthquakes, and and it was a pretty scary situation, a very awe-inspiring situation. It's described in Exodus 19 and 20, this whole event of Mount Sinai, then in the Verse 19, he says, those who heard it begged that not another word be spoken to them. This would be from Exodus 20, verses 18 and 19. All the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the ram's horn, the mountains surrounded by smoke. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. You speak to us, we will listen, they said to Moses, but don't let God speak to us or we will die. This is interesting, this uh what actually happens when God appears to people in the Old Testament. We often think, well, if just God would appear, we would be uh, slapping high fives, but people fall flat on their face 
and say, I'm going to die because I am in the presence of God. Here the people are terrified. God is speaking. God is giving his covenant to people. This is how you know me. This is how you relate to me. And they say to Moses, please don't let him speak directly to us. We'll listen to you, Moses, because you've been with God, but we can't handle him speaking directly to us. Verse 20, for they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. This is dealing with the setup to Moses going up on the mountain back in Exodus chapter 19, verses 12 and 13. Put boundaries for the people all around the mountain and say, be careful that you don't go up on the mountain or touch its base. Anyone who touches the mountain must be put to death. No hand may touch him. Instead, he will be stoned or shot with arrows and not live, whether animal or human. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up on the mountain. So anybody, human or animal, touches Mount Sinai while this is going on, they're to be killed. And not up close. You stay back from them because you can't even go near them. So you shoot them with an arrow or hit them with stones at a distance. Don't even approach the person who has dared to touch the mountain. This is what an awesome thing it is to approach God. This is why in the Old Testament sacrifice, the Day of Atonement, if the high priest dared to go back behind the curtain without doing all the things he had to do with the sacrifices up front to purify himself, he would be killed because he couldn't be in the presence of God. And this is where we often were so used to it, we forget what an incredible thing it is that God has made it possible for us to be in his presence. We saw back in chapter 4 of Hebrews that we can boldly approach the throne of grace. That would be unthinkable prior to the new covenant of Christ. Verse 21, the appearance was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Now we see something similar to that in Deuteronomy 9, 40 years later when Moses is recounting to the people what went on. He's talking about the golden calf incident. When he came down from Mount Sinai and they had built the golden calf as their new god. Actually, hands Aaron. And Moses says in Deuteronomy 9, 19, I was afraid of the fierce anger of the Lord had directed against you because he was about to destroy you. But again, the Lord listened to me on that occasion. That's the place where we have this kind of language of Moses talking about trembling in fear. Not sure if this is the reference he's referring to here. Verse 22. Instead, so here we have a transition. So he's describing what went on at Mount Sinai. What an incredible, scary thing it was. And Moses actually went up on the mountain. But Moses went all the way up the mountain to meet with God. Everyone else stood back away from the mountain, trembling with fear with commands that no one even come near that mountain. No one touched that mountain. Anybody touched the mountain must be killed. So instead, the reality we now encounter, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering. So he's describing here, obviously, it's the scene is heaven. But he describes it as, Mount Zion, 
city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem. This is all the same place he's describing, just using different names for it. Now, the earthly Mount Zion, that's the hill that Jerusalem was founded upon. And often throughout the prophetic literature, it, Zion is referred to along terms of the restoration of the rule of David. And so here we have Christ as a descendant of David, essentially restoring the rule of David. And what's key about the rule of David? He is the king of God's people. So you have Jesus now as the king of God's people, where David was just pointing, not so much restoring what David was, but David was just a little glimmer focusing on what will be. And now Christ is the true king of God's people. So Mount Zion, city of living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. The Jerusalem was the place that God's people gathered. They came together. They came there to meet with God. And so this heavenly Jerusalem is the place where God's people will be. They'll be there together and they'll be there with God. This eternal place where God's people are with God. Verse 23, to the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven, to a judge who is God of all, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect. There's some disagreement on how to break up these things and which words modify which. The assembly of the firstborn. Some translations even say the church of the firstborn. The word gets translated as church is the word assembly because the church is the gathering, the assembly of the people of God. Now, the assembly of the firstborn, is that referring to the myriads of angels? Don't think so, because their names haven't been written in heaven that we know of. That's the kind of language we have, names written in the book of life, or people who've experienced salvation through faith. Those are the people which comprise the community of God's people. So I think the assembly of the firstborn, that's just referring to people of faith. The community of God's people, living and dead. Old Testament believers, New Testament believers. People who have faith in God. Faith in Jesus Christ. So, coming now to this heavenly place. The eternal assembly of the people of God are in heaven to God. God is the judge. And where the spirit of righteous people made perfect as this would be the departed people, believers who have died before us and have been perfected now and are in heaven. And then verse 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. So here we have the words of the new covenant. Jesus is the one who is the mediator, the go-between, the one who makes it happen, the one who goes between perfect God and fallen man to be the mediator to bring about this new covenant, how you relate to God. And then this last phrase, and to the sprinkled blood which says better things than the blood of Abel. There's a lot of questioning. What, what exactly does he mean here? Well, the sprinkled blood, he's obviously talking about the sprinkled blood of Christ. And sprinkled blood is the language of the Old Covenant. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest would sprinkle the blood at the mercy seat to atone for the sins of the people. And now the sprinkled blood of Christ atones for the sins of all people for all time. 
all those who come to faith. But the says better things than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel, is he talking about the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice that Abel gave, the first recorded blood sacrifice in the Bible? That Christ is now the final blood sacrifice? I don't think so. The blood of Abel, most people think he's referring to the actual blood of Abel himself, Abel who was killed by his brother Cain. But he's talking about saying better things. And then verse 25 is going to talk about listening to he who speaks. So I think it's making the transition now to the idea of speaking. When Cain killed Abel, immediately after that, God says to Cain, where's your brother Abel? And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? And God says, well, his blood cries out from the ground to me. So we have this idea of his blood speaking crying out. Now, it's not in the Bible, but the, the book First Enoch talks about this some, and it talks about the blood of Abel crying out for vindication. And that's probably the sense that the author of Hebrews is bringing here, that the blood of Abel cries out, that is, it speaks. And what's it speaking for? Vindication. What's the blood of Christ speaking to? Well, it's not speaking for vindication. It doesn't need vindicated. It's speaking of Cleansing, forgiveness, peace with God for anyone who will follow him in faith. So it speaks a whole lot better than the blood of Abel. Is that exactly what it means? I think that's the best explanation. He's setting that up now for the next section, which is the fifth of these admonitions. These be careful that you don't go too far in drifting away. And don't reject the one who speaks. Who is the one who speaks? Christ is the one who speaks. And so I think he's just using Abel as a example here. He was the first of the heroes of the faith. His blood spoke. Well, Christ's blood speaks. And it's a whole lot better message than the message from the blood of Abel. So through all this, he's making the transition of Okay, all these things you've known about is Jews. Well, everything about Christ is so much better than this. There is no comparison. And like I said, he's setting it up for the last of these admonitions. So don't try and go back. That would be a dreadful, dreadful mistake. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Hebrews.